Welcome to Mormon Book Reviews, where an evangelical encounters the restoration. I'm your host, Stephen Pinecker, and I'm very excited to have a very special guest on the program today. Dr. Amos Brown is a civil rights legend, and he has personally interacted with, with the likes of Martin Luther King and all the great civil rights leaders of the 20th century, as well as into the 21st century. He also happens to be a very close friend of President Nelson of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. He recently met with the Quorum of the Twelve last week, I, I believe, from my understanding, uh, just last week, and, uh, and, and, and regularly interacts with the leadership of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And I asked, uh, reached out to him uh, because I feel like he's doing something similar to me, which is engaging uh, interfaith relations in an open, Christian, Christ-like way, as opposed to uh, building walls, we're going to build bridges. Dr. Amos Brown, welcome to the program, sir. Thank you for the opportunity of sharing with you and your audience this afternoon. So I just want to, um, first of all, you are affiliated with the Baptist Church, your third Baptist Church in Oakland, California. And uh, you have San Francisco, California. I'm sorry, San Francisco. I apologize. Um, and you, you're, that was the church, was that the church that you were raised in, the, the Baptist no. Church? No. I'm a native of Jackson, Mississippi. Okay. And I was baptized in the Farris Street Baptist Church, a historic church in Jackson, there in the historic district of Jackson, Mississippi. And I was licensed to preach the gospel from College Hill Baptist Church of Jackson. I was born in Jackson. Proud of it. And that though Jackson was unkind to my ancestors, my father was an enslaved person in Franklin County, Mississippi. And that is something that sustained on Western civilization and culture. And thanks to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I should have said, in my great-great-grandfather, Patrick Brown. Patrick Brown, born in 1821. There at Roxy. But Patrick didn't let the evil of the slaveocracy of the South make him bitter. He fought oppression, yes. But he became better and tenacious enough to, in 1882, buy 150 acres of land after emancipation came. And he paid for that land, $700. And thanks 
my brother, to the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, who did a family ancestry search on my background. I have copies of the receipts that he made three payments and additional to his purchasing this land for himself and his family, he was able to attract the support of three white men who donated another acre of land. The purpose of that land was to be a site for a school and a church. That church became the Bethlehem Baptist Church of Roxy, Mississippi. I cite all of this history to say that out of a negative situation, my grandfather, going back five generations, proved that he could turn a negative into a positive. And secondly, out of a relationship that we established nearly three years ago with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, I was able to receive the benefit of knowing more about my heritage and my family tree. And you said this was just three years ago when you heard this? I did not learn about this family information until going on two years now. Wow, okay. But the relationship with the church was established three years ago. Okay. When the, to the credit of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, they reached out to the National NAACP, mm -hmm. which time I was serving as chair of the Religious Affairs Committee. And they said, we want to do something about racism in America. And we want to be partners with the NACP in order to deal with racial reckoning, reconciliation, and social justice. And under the leadership of our chairperson of the board, Mr. Leon Russell, Tampa, Florida, and our national president, Mr. Derek Johnson of Jackson, Mississippi, we established a non-proselytizing, but only a social justice and racial reconciliation fellowship. And we have shown America 
what it really means to be an evangelical. Not talking about the blood only. Not talking about personal salvation. But that plus, we are talking about and doing something about social justice. And that bespeaks what initially Joseph Smith was about. Well, I was already aware of the history of the church and I was never guilty of having a pejorative image of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. I knew about its checkered past, the same as all faith communities in America have had checkered pasts. But thank God, because I read for myself, I knew that Joseph Smith was an abolitionist up there in New York State when in 1830, he started what was then the Mormon church. And thank God that he at least, at least had the notion of the idea that slavery was wrong. However, as his own church moved westward because of persecution, and it evolved, there ensued a split. Those who were conservatives and those who were of his mind were more liberal and sensible. And even Joseph Smith ran for President of the United States in 1844. Many people don't know that in America because they don't read. And his major plank in his platform, one of his planks, I should say, was to work for the abolition of slavery by 1850. Thus, he predated Abraham Lincoln in trying to deal with this evil. However, we all know, the record reveals that unfortunately, he and his brother Harold were assassinated at Carthage, Illinois. And unfortunately, when Mr. Brigham Young took over, he was not following totally Jesus. For he was a conservative and a racist. And he wanted to make sure that Utah would be admitted into the Union as a slave state. So that's the right. And that's true. And, you know, you had mentioned you had mentioned how there was like a break between more liberals and conservatives. The ones that stayed back and didn't follow Brigham Young, they followed Joseph Smith's son, Joseph Smith III. And one of the first things they did was they allowed blacks in the priesthood in the 1860s while the Civil War was still going on. 
So you can tell that the spirit of Joseph Smith was probably more operating within that context than what you probably would have seen in Utah at the time. Um, so we, I think you're, you're correct in that assessment that Joseph Smith probably was definitely of a different mindset or mentality regarding the issue of slavery and race in general. He was a progressive for his time. Oh, oh yes, he was. And there that, that were, were times when he was, uh, uh, I guess, uh, intimidated by the majority culture, and he wasn't that clear. But my main point is, his heart was right from day one. And for many in America, their hearts never were right. And in fact, even with Aristotle, one of the fathers of Western thought, he, during the fourth century BC, came up with the silly notion that is found in his writing, The Politics, that the Ethiopian or the black man was inferior because our skin was dark. That's what he said, number one. And that the only way we could become acceptable in the human family. We would have to go up to the Nordic climate of Europe and become lighter. And finally, he said that we would never be capable of self-governance, that we would always have to have a white man, a white woman over us. That lie was told before Jesus was born. And consequently, it infected Western thought, Western religion, Western politics, and I think it's commendable that under President Nelson, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in 2022, is about righting the wrongs. You know, when I think of South Africa, when they had the Truth and Reconciliation Commission after apartheid, it was, a, it was a, Dr. Desmond Tutu was in, uh, the Bishop Tutu was involved in trying to have like a, a Christian idea of reconciliation and forgiveness, and 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 also accepting apologies from these institutions that were racist, including the government. Do you think that institutions that historically have had a checkered past, whether it's a corporation or anybody, do you think that they, at the very minimum, should at least apologize for, for their past actions in regarding the race issue? Definitely so. And I have the saying, we have in America, AAA, AAA that we need when our cars break down. AAA. And whenever you call AAA to use your car, among other things, they will ask you, are you in a safe space or setting? Are you in a safe space or setting? Well, I feel that if we apply those three levels, we have an image, we have an answer for what we are doing with the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints today. 
that represents our moving from the unsafe space of the long, dark, and dismal night of enslavement for 400 years around the world of our ancestors and legalized enslavement in America for 244 years. We are moving away, I repeat, from that unsafe, un-Jesus-like lifestyle to becoming reconciled. How do you do that? First of all, the first A is to admit the slavery is wrong. To admit that America's original sin, to use the words of one great writer, is racism. And a lot of people don't want to admit it. They put their head, heads in the sand. They try to sugarcoat what happened. And they will not deal with the evil, the brutal enslavement of our ancestors at Cape Coast Castle on the west coast of Africa and Ghana. They won't admit it. But Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints did admit this checkered past. And then secondly, that other A is atonement. What is atonement? Showing that you are sorry for what happened. And you demonstrate that in a concrete way. You don't just say it, you do something. You do something. Remember that short man, Zacchaeus, the one whom Jesus called down from that tree, was ultimately able to go home and have dinner with Jesus. But before he had dinner with Jesus, he made the confession, admitted, and he said also, if I have wronged anybody, if I've taken anything from anybody, I'm going to pay back fourfold. That's in the book. That's in the Bible. That is atonement. That is reparations. That is showing that you're really sorry for what you've done. And thank God in this relationship with the Church of Jesus Christ and Latter-day Saints and the leadership of President Nelson, they did just that. When we met with them about two years ago in Salt Lake City, and they made the commitment to do some things. And out of that gathering, out of that meeting, the commitment was made. 
to support the national NACP in this bet, millions of dollars. To support the United Negro College Fund so young black students will be able to go to historical black colleges and excel academically. And they supported a measure for humanitarian programs in inner city communities. And finally, to my surprise, they made a commitment to establish the Dr. Amos C. Brown Fellows ship to send young people from 18 to 25 to Ghana, West Africa, to be a part of a seminar so that they would be able to see ground zero of that evil system of enslavement of human beings. That was significant. And these young people came from the, the Church Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints Network, the National NACP, and my local congregation here in the Bay Area. They this past August had a life transformative experience of being there and seeing the place where our ancestors were stacked in dungeons in subhuman conditions and not treated as being human and spent four months, four months, and not able to answer nature's call in those four months in those dismal dog dungeons. And then after four months, they were loaded on ships were across the Atlantic Passage for three to four months. They were stacked in ships like sardines and cans. Come to an unknown foreign place where they were treated as tools to build the economy of this nation. Well, those young people too will not come back bitter or confused, but they will come back better as ambassadors for racial reckoning, reconciliation, and social justice. And this past summer's experience for them was so heartfelt, so touching, so transformative that we have concluded that we must have another, another class to go in 2023 and have the same transformative experience. Yeah, so the church produced a video interviewing some of those students as well as interviewing you. And it was really a beautiful thing that the church is doing in having this type of ability to have some kind of reconciliation going on atonement, reparations you had mentioned, do you consider that the financial support that the church is giving the NAACP and other endeavors, uh, do you consider that a, a type of reparations? Yes, it is a form. 
you know, reparation means repair, making up, correcting one's behavior and showing. And that last A and triple A for me is acting. They acted over a span of time of two and a half years. And that's outstanding. That cannot be said of most evangelicals in America. That cannot be said of Southern Baptists who were founded in 1845. And what was the issue? A year after President, Prophet Joseph Smith was assassinated, they were founded in Augusta, Georgia. And what was the issue that caused them to split from the Baptists of America? Nobody's going to tell us that we can't own slaves and be missionaries. So they acted in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and they're also acting to, to be kind, to respect the humanity and the personhood of people who are different in their sexual orientation. And that is significant. So the church is making great efforts to, to atone, clean up, change his mind by racism, about homophobia, about classism, and all those isms that divide the human family and treat people wrong. You know, Dr. Amos, That's one good. of the things, one of the things I talk about with people with this channel is I tell them, I said, listen, where we're at, whether we agree or disagree with each other and we're on opposite sides of the political spectrum or whatever, we all have to remind ourselves that we are all fellow image bearers. We bear his image. Yes. And we need to see the image of him in all of humanity. Yes. And I think that's so important. And, and that's why I love what your work is doing with the church. One of the things you had brought up was the Southern Baptist Convention, which in the 1990s did formally apologize for their role in the whole slavery thing. And they gave a pretty strong statement in the 1990s. Did you feel that 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 apology went far enough? Or do you feel that the Southern Baptist Convention needs to do some more? No, it didn't go far enough. They engaged in a whole lot of symbolism and even foot washing. No, it didn't go far enough. But still, they have outwardly, they've outwardly, supported the former presidential leadership of this nation. And he was not true to the principles of Jesus of Nazareth. So anytime you do that and you engage in nationalism and Jesus came for the world, we quote that John 3, 16, God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son 
And whosoever believes in it should not perish, but have everlasting life. Well, everlasting life is more than just thinking of going to heaven, away from here. What Jesus of Nazareth did teach his disciples to pray. When you pray, pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So, thank God. Church of Jesus Christ, Latter-day Saints, has actualized, concretized, fellowship of Jesus of Nazareth and has shown care for the world, the whole globe. I, I have a question for you about Brigham Young. Um, you had mentioned that he diverted from the path of Joseph and embrace some ideas that you feel is uh, part of the, the great national sin. Uh, do you feel that, have you forgiven Brigham Young as a Christian? You can't harm, you can't hold on to, you can't be glued to hate and expect to survive. Booker T. Washington said you can't Keep a man or woman down in a ditch without getting down there yourself. And Gandhi said that this philosophy of an eye for an eye and a tooth for two caused all of us to end up eyeless and toothless. Somebody's got to speak the truth, but we also have got to be of a forgiving spirit hate and revenge are like a forest fire once you get it going you don't make the draw the moral judgment whether or not it might just consume you every time a beast stings it dies and when you stop going around and stinging and fighting eye for eye two for two we must love. We must love. Amen to that. Well, and I just was wondering, like, you know, some people have called for, uh, some activists have called for renaming Brigham Young University because they because he was considered a racist. Do you think that that's a, an appropriate thing for them to do? Or do you think that the name Brigham Young University should remain? Well, I think... Sometimes we can get about the business of majoring in minors instead of majoring in the major things. Okay. I think it's incumbent upon this present generation to admit Brigham Young's sin. And we do everything to exercise exercise, get rid of this demon of race. And those who wish to change names, fine. If you're a free agent, do it. But just changing the name is not gonna be the answer. Okay, okay, I understand that completely. That makes a lot of sense to me. 
And I, I, I want to, because I think it seems like it, like you basically had a breakthrough about two, three years ago with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And you're, you're recognizing the beauty of that moment and also recognize it, having these in, um, this opportunity to engage President Nelson and engage the leadership of the church, the general authorities and the apostles. Can you maybe just talk to, about that? Like, what's it, for President Nelson, a lot of people never have the opportunity to meet him. What kind of person is he? What, what, how well do you, uh, have you gotten to know him? Well, you know, I had the honor of introducing him in Detroit, Michigan, when over two years ago, he came to address our national convention. And among other things I said to the body, that I was privileged to introduce and present a brother of another mother. And I meant that. President Nelson, the scholar, a physician, heart surgeon, and he just represents the presence and the persona of love and gentleness. And he loves children too. Same as Jesus showed regard for children. You know, in the culture of Jesus' day, Children and women got respected. They should have been respected. So he just is a quintessential, quintessential role model of the mind of Jesus. Paul said, let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. And going back to Charles Price Jones, that great hymn writer, who also, by the way, was the founder of the Holiness Movement, not a group that met in 1906 in Los Angeles, California, who started the Azusa Revival. No, the Holiness Movement began in Jackson, Mississippi, in my hometown. In 1897, when this Baptist preacher, Charles Price Jones, pastor of the Mount Helm Baptist Church, when he had this transformative experience, that unfortunately a split ensued in the church, but he eventually moved out and founded the Church of Christ Holiness. As I said earlier, this man wrote over a thousand hymns. And one hymn that he wrote, in addition to the one that I will quote, is deeper, deeper in the love of Jesus. And I'm the second one that I know so well. I'm happy with Jesus alone. But this one, which was his really his signature song. Which Jesus only is my motto. Jesus only is my song. Jesus only is my heart thought. Jesus only all day long. None but Jesus, Savior, Captain. None but Jesus, help me sing. 
fill me ever with thy presence. Jesus, Jesus, Lord and King. Jesus, Jesus shall command me. Jesus, guide only my way. Only he to choose my changes. None but Jesus every day. Jesus only is my captain. He shall lead me forth to fight. Jesus only is my armor. Jesus only is my might. And I love that last fourth stanza. Then away with every item. Let my Lord be all to me. Jesus only is my master. Jesus only. Let me see. Yes, we must be away, do away with the idol of racism, sexism, xenophobia, homophobia, classism, and make Jesus only our idol. Mm. Wow, those are powerful words. And uh, of course, that just hits right home for you because you had talked to off camera briefly about how a lot of churches, and then we're not talking about Church Jesus Christ Latter-day Saints, we're talking about the American church, how Jesus doesn't seem to be at the center of their enterprise. Yes. Perhaps speak to that. Well, they just only have a sense of identity with the Romanized Christianity that was created when Constantine was Emperor of Rome. And he had this conversion experience in which he saw a cross burning and had this vision saying, conquer, conquer in the name of the cross. Jesus was not about conquering, ruling, controlling people, but about loving and helping people to be transformative and to be a servant Seven, this organized, imperialistic, materialized brand of Christianity is a far cry from the servanthood model of Jesus. Jesus said, he or she who would be greatest among you must first be a servant, a servant. Do something. Don't be unemployed Christians. Look for the preacher to do everything while you only get your goodies, you only get your cup filled, and you get your soul saved. But give up something for others. And at the same time, remember Jesus said, the greatest law is that you shall love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with thy mind, and all thy strength 
The second is, you shall love thy neighbor as thyself. And we must show love for others in order that we might bring Jesus in a tangible way to the whole world. Well, as an evangelical who has seen the state of our movement, and many, uh, there are some evangelicals do not care for the work that I'm doing because I'm not proselytizing. Uh, I don't believe the Lord showed me that I was not to proselytize, but I was to build bridges and conversations and 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 have um, friendships and, and, and be a Christian and act in that manner. And so much has happened in our society is everything is literally, if you will, black and white, right? There, there's no, there's no middle ground that's possible in many of these people's mindsets, and I think that grieves him. I think that grieves the spirit, man. I think that it, it what the, what the Lord, what He sees, what Jesus sees, what's done in His name, yes, is it grieves him because we are not acting as image bearers. We're not acting as we're not allowing Christ to operate in our lives. We're using Christ, yes. To 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 use as a politi we've politicized Christ, and 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 the Jesus Christ that a lot of people in this country are like I don't want to have anything to do with Christianity if that's who Jesus is. That's right. That doesn't sound like the Lord's work. <laughs> they about judging, using, and. Causing fear in people. But Jesus is not about that. Amen. I'll tell you, one of the first things and the Lord Paul told said, me. And Paul remembers it, told Timothy. Hmm. No, no. Hmm. You, you were not given a spirit of what? Spirit of fear. And sound what? Mine? What else? Amen. Amen. I'll tell you, the Lord showed me. The Lord showed me, man, last year when I first started this channel. He one of the first things he said to me was, Where there's fear, I am not there. Yes. <laughs> and I, you I got think that. You got a, that a sound mind, love, yeah, and courage. Mm. Mm. Yes, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have the fruits of the spirit operational? You know, I tell people, I don't care what church building you go to on Sunday. Do I see the fruits of the spirit operational in your life? That's what okay. I go by. I run into an evangelical. I don't see any fruits in their life. And then I run run into a member who believes in the Book of Mormon and they're a member of Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints or one of the many other great, wonderful churches that are also followers of the Book of Mormon and Joseph Smith. And I tell you, I see the fruits. I see the fruits of the Spirit, and that's what the Lord, Lord showed us to use. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, yes. Now what? So we are going to hold our hope. That's what I told the Council of the Twelve. To keep on doing what we're now doing. And to never look back and be stuck 
what the negative yesteryears. But move forward on a positive note. And I told the story, the old preacher shared with me that there was a herd of buffaloes roaming across the Western Plain. It was moving with great strides. And all at once, this lead buffalo stopped in his tracks. And the other members of the herd ran right over him. Left him bruised and battered. And when the last buffalo got to him, he said to him, Fool, why did you stop? You were running well. You were in great strides. Why did you stop? He said, I thought I heard a discouraging word. I didn't hear it, but I thought I heard a discouraging word. And I feel that all well-intentioned, righteous, just, faith community that are following Jesus must not be discouraged by any discouraging word. And the council, of the 12, and the 70, and the NACP must hold their hold and keep on doing what we're doing. Okay. Wow. This is tremendous. I think, I can't think of an evangelical equivalent to what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has done in this regard. And I think it's, uh, we want to honor them uh, for acknowledging their past. Perhaps more things can be done in that regard, but at least this is a starting point, you know, that we can, we have a place where you are now, you've, you're helping that church pivot, and, and that's a great thing. And I love that the gentleness of your, of that you're a forgiving man, and that's what the core about being a Christian is all about, is that yes. you, 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 you say, okay, let's move on. Let's move on, and let's build something together. Yes. And that's that's a, that's that's the way it should because see it's so easy to tear things down, and we all do it all the time, unfortunately. But to be able to build something beautiful with the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter Day Saints is a is a very exciting prospect. Do you do you feel the Lord, the Lord's hand in this endeavor? Do you feel that that this was a miracle that happened to bring this all about? Definitely, so. No question in my mind about it. This is the doing of the Lord. It's a beautiful thing, and we must, I repeat, never let it be punished or give up. So with that, I must, I say, I bid you do. Thank you, sir. Your audience, and let's do it again in time. Thank you, you Dr. Amos Brown. I greatly appreciate you coming onto the program today. Folks, I'll have links in the description to his website and information about his church and what the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints is doing in regards to the race issue. Just a reminder, folks, I want to remind you to like and subscribe and don't forget to hit the notification button. All the voices of the restoration will be heard on Mormon Book Reviews.